got myself into a lot of trouble in, in the beginning part of my life. And that led to uh, drug, drug addiction, hardcore for years because I, I never had real, a real chief aim in life. And that eventually led to going to prison for over uh, four years of my life at age 19. I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. So honored to have you with us today. And listen, I am pumped to share this story with you. I connected with Zachary Babak from the Underdog Empowerment Podcast, and this dude's story is crazy. I admire not only what he's created in his business, but also the leadership he is showing to the underdog community. Zachary spent time in prison, missed the births of his children, and came out on the other side saying, you know what? I'm changing this story around and I'm going to be a voice for those who feel like the underdog. This is a powerful interview you do not want to miss. Make sure you check out his podcast, Underdog Empowerment. That will be linked in the show notes. And while you're over there checking that out, make sure you hit that subscribe button to this show because we have some really good guests coming up next. And one last thing, the tagline of the show is step up, use your voice, make an impact in this world. And I'm telling you, there's too many good people out there not doing what they feel called to do. I'm really passionate about using the free tools in your hand, like social media, being able to put out content like blogs and podcasts and all of that. It's changed my life. If you want to start your thing, your blog, your podcast, if you want to start putting out your message, but you need some tools to get started, I have a free content course for you that walks you through the basics of building consistent online content so that you can make that impact in this world. You can grab that again completely free by going over to the show notes, clicking there, or text content to 345-345. Again, that is content 345-345. All right, let's get into this interview with my friend Zachary Babbitt. At around 18 or 19 years old, I I um I was making some horrible decisions. You know, I grew up without a father figure, so I always wanted to, I guess, you know, fill that void that I had. You know, I didn't I didn't have a positive male role model, and I've always been like that unconventional uh, leader type where I would I I just I couldn't go to school. I never did excel in school just because it didn't interest me. And I would always do things that nobody else would do uh, to get a chuckle or get a laugh and be accepted by other people. But I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out. Mm -hmm. And, and this, you know, um, got myself into a lot of trouble in in the beginning part of my life. And that led to uh, drug, drug addiction, hardcore for years, because I was I never had real a real chief aim in life. And that eventually led to going to prison um, for over uh, four years of my life at age 19. 
Um, I went in at just, just complete knucklehead. And, and when I came out, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, we can unpack more of the story if, if you want to get, get deeper in that, but I came out and I didn't want to go back to prison. So I got a job at a bar and grill as a cook working 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, met my girlfriend. That's now my wife at the time, uh, at the bar. She was working there as well. And then I got promoted at this, uh, or I didn't get promoted. I got hired at this other job. Cause I was, I would always go to this clothing store, right? This is a real key piece. I'd go to this clothing store all the time and they hired me and, and, uh, because I'd always go shopping there. And then the third day there, I got a promotion because I sold 3,000, the whole store did uh, 9,000. And I was like, yes, you know, I'm finally putting my, you know, my past behind me. You know, I don't, I, I'm getting a, a job that I love. I'm in sales. I get to talk and communicate with people and I, and I love the products anyway. So this is really awesome. And then uh, I put in my two weeks at that barn grill where I had some stability. And two weeks later, like, uh, Mr. Babcock, you're a convicted felon. You got to kick rocks, man. And, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was, uh, for me at the time, that was a, it was a deal breaker. It was like, I was like, I finally felt like I was moving forward and putting that behind me. And then the, the past comes back to haunt me. And then I, instead of keeping my chin up and searching for other opportunity, I decided to throw a pity party and became a raging alcoholic for like the next six months called a DWI. And then I woke up in, uh, in Ferguson jail from a blackout hangover from being obliterated from the night before. And, uh, and I realized I was going back to prison. That was just 20 days before my twin sons were born. As a parent, when I heard that, I just, I, I can't even fathom what must have been going through your head at that time. You know, you were, you were trying, you were trying to get your life together and just some crap happened. Obviously, a couple, you know, bad decisions, but then missing one of the most important moments of your life. What did that do for you? I mean, how did you even process through that? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it right on the right on the money, you know, as being a parent. And with me, I, all I ever wanted my entire life was to be the father that I didn't have growing up. And so when I woke up, and, and because for so long, I was just in a party stage, I was being selfish, I wasn't, you know, I, I felt like there was no hope, there was no light at the end of the tunnel, I felt like my world was crumbling. And then when I woke up in that in, in that jail cell, and learned that I was going to miss out on one of the most important things to me and not be there and leave my girlfriend by herself to bring our children in the world by herself. Uh, that was the most painful experience that I've ever uh, experienced in my life. And I can't even like explain it in words. I felt like big enough to sit on a penny and swing my feet from it. I felt less of a man. I felt like I was so inadequate and that I wasn't, yeah, I just felt like a complete scumbag because of it. But at the same time though, that was the best thing that could have ever happened because in that very moment, right when I learned that as much as that hurt, it was the best thing that could ever happen because it got me to completely change my entire outlook on life. It completely shifted my entire paradigm. At that moment, like that moment. Yeah, that very moment. I, I made a resolve. I said to myself in that jail cell before I even got to prison, I was heading back to prison. I was like, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I got to do. I'm done with this. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm done. This isn't just about me anymore. This, it still is about me, but I want to, I want to be, a ha I want to be happy and, and be able to raise my children. I want to be the father that I didn't have. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get back home to be happy and successful and a responsible father. And I didn't even know what happy and successful looked like at that point in my life. I didn't know, I didn't know how I was going to be able to provide for them because I couldn't really get a job hardly anywhere or anything worth my standards uh, in life that I wanted to live. And on top of that, I didn't know when I was going to come home. Uh, I could, it could have been six months or a year and a half. I had a year and a half left on my parole at the time. So 
I had to go see the parole board to see when they were going to let me go home. So it, it didn't matter though. I didn't, I didn't know all these hows, but I knew that I had a strong enough reasons why I was going to do it. When did you go home? I ended up going home eight months later after that. And let me tell you what, that, that eight months, I did four years, over four years the first time, and that eight months felt 10 times longer because all I was sitting there thinking about, I remember the first month and a half just trying to imagine what my kids look like, if, wondering if they look like their dad or not. Did you see them at all, like pictures, or they were able to visit? Yeah, so after a month and a half, I finally got pictures in, and then uh, I was able to visit them the first time. It was through the glass when I was at, uh, at the diagnostic prison. That's where you go, and then they decide what camp you're going to go to. And I see them through the glass one time, and then I seen them one other time uh, at, at, right before J- July 4th in, t- in 2014. They're about three and a half months old. And uh, that, was, that was incredible being able to, to hold them for the first time. But here's another, some more crazy crap that happened. So while I was in there, I was being a, a complete scumbag before I went to prison. You know, I was throwing my life away. I was, I was cheating on my girlfriend. Just being, just being a dirtbag all the way around the, all around the board. I'm not, and I take ownership of that. And so while I was away, um, Stephanie, my, my wife now, she ended up uh, hooking. Like we, we broke up, but we were still, you know, communicating as parents. And she ended up hooking up with the guy, the of the baby, uh, uh, the girl that I was cheating on Stephanie with. It was uh, her baby's dad, so she ended up hooking up with him. And I guess that was like kind of both of their way to get, kind of get back at me and the girl that I was cheating on her with. And for him, um, that that wasn't enough, and uh, he ended up uh, hitting my kid that was uh, four months old at the time, and um, gave him uh, fractured his fractured his skull and gave him brain hemorrhaging. And, um, and I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I didn't still have feelings of literally killing this, this, this guy. But, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I was locked up at the time and those thoughts and stuff do still cross my mind. I mean, who wouldn't, what type of father wouldn't want to avenge their own son, but, um, you know, things are for the better now. And, uh, you know, I know I need to be in my kid's life and stuff. So, yeah. Is he, is, is he okay? Your, your son? Thank God. Yeah. He's perfectly healthy. And, um, it wasn't nothing too serious. It was really scary at the time though. Okay. Zachary, I could probably talk to you for five hours. This story is insane (laughs) and we have 30 minutes and we're already halfway through. And I, I encourage you guys to check out his podcast, the work that he's putting out. He's super authentic and real and shares goes much deeper into your story, but just for the sake of, you know, trying to wrap up, man, man, I, I want to know how in the world you went from there to where you're at right now, because so many people, I mean, and, and honestly, rightfully so when, when you go through trauma, I mean, whether it's your fault or not, because I mean, looking at the way that you grew up and not having the presence there and all that, not saying it's an excuse or whatever, but in the same sense, it builds this shell and it's so hard to overcome that and become a better version of yourself. And you don't have that example when you don't have necessarily people in your corner cheering you on or resources, et cetera, et cetera. When you're starting literally from the ground up and building something like what you've created, how in the world did you have the grit to do this? Yeah. You know, uh, it's a lot about, uh, what you share here on the show. Uh, it's it, that grit, that adversity, those adverse times, like it may not seem, it's not going to seem great while you're going through it, 
but I'm so grateful that I went through everything that I did because it built a strength of character. I, I'm able to, to tap back into those times and know that I can get through whatever, you know? So to really sum it up, you know, when I came home, I, I believe it firmly starts with a chief aim with that strong reason why. And like with my case, it was to get back home, to be a father, to be in my kid's life, to, to be the father that I never had. It started off as that. And it still is a huge huge reason why I do what I do. Uh, but as I came home and got introduced to entrepreneurship and learned about personal development, all these other uh, aspects that, I, that, I'm, that I'm doing now in my life, it's grown and evolved. And I feel like our why, our reasons why we're doing it and our chief aim and our, and our purpose, quote unquote, is, is always evolving. And, and that's key. And that's it's a good thing. So having that strong enough reason why you have to get through whatever it is you're getting through to get to where you want to go is key. And then I also believe uh, I, I love that underdog mentality. I love it when when everybody's counting you out saying that you're not going to be able to have this of what you want in your life. And they're even laughing at you. And it doesn't matter because you're doing whatever it takes to level up to win and to get to prove them wrong to get the respect that you deserve. So I love, I love using the underdog mentality. However, the underdog mentality is just, it's just like gasoline. It's extra fuel to the fire. But if you don't have the engine that runs, it's pointless. And that engine to me is having those strong reasons why. Okay. So what is the difference between someone who uses that adversity as fuel and someone who uses that adversity to continue down and even sink down further in their path? Because I mean, you, you talk to two different people and you'll say like, Hey, why are you here? And they're like, I'm here because of what happened to me. You know, like let's say it's someone, a CEO of a company, someone who just killed it. I'm here because my mom was an alcoholic and I went through hell and I was abused and blah, blah, blah. And that gave me fuel. That gave me fire. Then you'll talk to someone else and you're like, dude, why are you struggling? Why are you homeless on the street and all that? And he goes, cause my mom was, you know, an alcoholic and I was abused and this and that. And they'll use, they'll point back to the same core root, but they have two different results. What do you think is the factors there? I honestly believe it's it's it it's really comes down to what every human being makes every single decision off of, and that's you know our the two pillars of our our need to avoid pain and our desire to gain pleasure. And um, I I feel like when you're still in that phase of well of blaming everybody else and not taking ownership, I feel like you haven't hit rock bottom or you haven't hit your pain threshold yet. Because I used to be that guy that would blame my PO for, for giving me a violation because I failed a drug test when really that's my fault. I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy that would blame everything and anybody besides myself for whatever went wrong. And when it shifted, when I started taking ownership for everything wrong in my life and also taking ownership for everything right, um, that was after I, I took, after I hit my pain threshold. And for me, it was missing the birth of my twin sons. Um, that was my pain threshold. And that's what got me to completely change my whole perception on everything. So I, so I really feel like if there's, if you're still in that phase and you just haven't, and the cool thing about that is, is what you can link pain and pleasure. You can make these associations. You can decide, like for instance, you might be linking pleasure to eating food now because you like the way it takes tastes and pain to resisting it. However, and, and that's cool for the short term, but the long term result is being out of shape and overweight and not comfortable with yourself and low self esteem or whatnot. And you can choose to link that to, to change that in the in the long term by linking pain to eating that food because you know what the long term result is and linking the pleasure to resistance because you'll have the body that you desire. 
And those are just a, just a few different ways that you could do that. That's so good. Did you struggle at all with forgiving yourself and seeing yourself differently? Yeah. In the beginning I, I, I did, I did honestly, it, but it, it didn't last long because at that, it became a part where it's like, all right, if I sit here and I don't forgive myself that I'm always going to be what I always was. I got kids that are, that I'm responsible for and that need their father. Yeah. So I can't sit here and just trash myself. All that I could do right now, can't go back and change nothing. I missed their birth. I'm not going to be there. Thank God they're not going to remember that part of their life, but they'll find out later on when they're older, we're going to have that conversation. But what matters most is getting home as quick as possible and being in their life and being that father figure for them. How do you learn how to be a father figure? You didn't have one. I, I, there's so many so many of us now who grew up without a mom or without a dad or both, and then to try to step into that role and be who you didn't have, how did you learn how to be a dad? Honestly, uh, most of the stuff I learned how to do, I I don't really know how. I just like, man, I know I need to do it. And it's like, go figure it out. And um, for me, like, it was like, I know me as a boy growing up, I didn't listen to what most people told me. I looked up to certain people and I did what they did. So I knew that I was going to have to be a good example and lead by example. And I knew that I didn't want to set that example of going to prison throughout my entire life for my kids and then end up in the same place. So I got home and just got to work and started doing what I knew was best. Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're just the coolest person. <laughs> I love your story. I absolutely love it. Uh, fast forward just a little bit to where you're at right now. You, you mentioned that you got exposed to entrepreneurship and self-development. And I, I think we live in such a cool time where, you know, you talked about, you know, struggling to get a job and all that. Um, I don't know if you listen to Gary Vee much, but I, I love what he talks about, you know, people who come from adversity are really going to have an advantage in this, this next phase of life because, a people relate to you and you can spread your messages so much easier, but also to provides opportunity where you didn't have it before. So if you're not good at school or if you have a background and have a hard time getting a job, there is the opportunity of the internet of kind of making your own life. Uh, when did that option even present itself to you? Where did you get exposed to it? Yeah. So I, I think you're, I think you guys are going to pre, I hope you guys appreciate this. I really feel like this resonates so well with the, with this show and the, and this audience here. So my plan was when I made that decision and I had the eight months that I was sitting there, I was like, I have this background in sales. I've always been in good in every single sales job. That's only jobs that I've ever had any success in all the, the times I worked at McDonald's only lasted like a week or two. Like I never could hold a job that long. So I had all this door-to-door -door sales experience, working at retail store, store sales experience. I was always good with people. And I was like, all right, so my plan is, you know, and at the time it was 2014, uh, February when I, when I got locked up in eight months. And during that time, uh, the right towards the end, right before I got out in October, the Michael Brown situation happened in Ferguson, Missouri. And that's where I'm from. I grew born and raised and, uh, well, I was raised in Ferguson since the age of seven. And, um, I'm sitting there like, man, it's such a horrible thing that happened. But I also know that the media is lying about how bad of a place Ferguson, Missouri is because it's not, it's not nothing like they put it out to be. Obviously the situation's horrible. Um, and I'm like, man, what, how can I, you know, like I, I want to get home and be successful. And my, my business plan at the time, this is a hell of a business idea, by the way, was to, uh, was to um, create these shirts that said, I heart Ferguson on them and go door to door selling them. Like that was legit what I was going to do when I got home. I love it. And, uh, 
<laughs> you know, and uh, I was going to get out and I was going to hustle and make it happen. And so that was the plan. Well, when I got home, I didn't have the startup capital uh, to, to do it. Uh, and so I started looking for a job and I knew I wasn't going to be able to get a good job, but I was like, man, I'm just going to find something to get this startup capital going, something under working at a bar and grill as a cook again, or under the table construction job, whatever I got to do. And I went, I, I was having trouble even finding that. And I'm filling out 20 to 20 applicants or five to 20 applications a day for seven days a week. Like that was my job was to get a job and not getting anything. This went on for about a month and a half and I didn't get discouraged. I was like, I don't care. This is going to happen. Like nothing was going to break that will at this point. And, um, I was also working out and I was on Instagram at the time and I put out, this is so hilarious. I put out this post and this guy hit me up. He's like, Hey man, you want to try out this, this pre-workout drink blah, 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 or something? And I was like, man, who the heck is this guy? And what the heck is this drink or whatever? And uh, I, I asked him, I was like, man, what's up, man? He's like, yeah, it's this blah, blah, does. It's good. It's all natural energy supplement. I was like, cool, man. Is there a business opportunity? Because I was curious. And he's like, yeah. And he happened to live 15 minutes away from me. It turned out to be network marketing. And at the time, I didn't know what network marketing was. So you couldn't even scare me off with the word pyramid scheme. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I got with them and uh, I ended up doing network marketing for the first two, for two years. And I built a reason. Yeah, it was crazy. Right. And, uh, and I built up a, a $2,000, uh, residual income, monthly residual income within my first six months in there. So I was having, like, I wasn't rich or nothing like that, but like for a guy coming out of prison, that couldn't even find a job. Like that was a game changer. But uh, more importantly, it introduced me to personal development and this whole of how it was like it was like a college for entrepreneurship for me, honestly. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, but it just ended up not being my thing and not my true calling. And I moved on. But that's how I got started. Um, I know this is a super long winded answer. If you if you want to interject anytime, just go ahead. No, it's, it's but, fascinating. I, I think that I think that you know, you coming from sales and being a great salesman. I mean, what a perfect opportunity. I would have never even thought about network marketing, but wow. It was, it was awesome. And it just, I started, I, I quit because like there is, there's great companies out there and great network marketers out there that I personally know and have a relationship with, but how I was taught in my company and at the time was to hit up everybody on your friends list and either try and sell them your product or get them to join your opportunity. And eventually I started, I lost my passion for it and I started to feel like a parasite and it just wasn't my thing anymore. And I, and I moved on. Um, then I jumped into, I was like, well, what do I, 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 I know I'm an entrepreneur now and I, and I want to help people. And I initially started off as a life coach. And let me tell you, Heather, I didn't make any money or help anybody out in the whole entire time that I was a life coach because my message was just all over the place. I would say things like, I help you live a better life or I help you achieve your goals. And, and nobody wants that, man. Like I had to put my finger on the specific problem that I solved for a specific person. And I didn't know that at the time. And I, and I struggled. And, um, and then in the beginning of 2018, uh, I put out the podcast and it blew up first week, became a top rated podcast and I'm like, yes, you know, because I started it initially because I wanted to, to empower underdogs, I, like people like myself, because I felt like anytime I tried to collaborate with anybody or hook up with anybody, nobody took me seriously. Nobody gave me the time of day. I was just that ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought. And then as soon as I launched the podcast and rank it, now it's like I'm the man or whatnot. And, but, but I started it initially was to share everything that I learned in my journey that's going to empower underdog entrepreneurs to get to the next level in their business and life so that they can, they can achieve their dreams, win, prove those people wrong, get the respect that they deserve. 
and it just blew up from there. And, um, you know, this is this last little piece. I promise I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'll shut up. But, uh, oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, so what really, what I really feel like will, will really be valuable here to your audience is uh, I did things a little bit unconventional. So I, I hooked up after I had the podcast with two partners, one of them had helped his students generate over 300 million in revenue since 1999. The other one had a, a program that had a thousand successful graduates uh, with over 20 million in revenues. And we were teaching customer acquisition, lead generation, customer acquisition and scaling the business. And we launched this program and we're getting people coming through. I'm like the face of it. And we're getting people coming through our program. However, I felt incongruent. I felt like a maggot. I felt like a scam. I felt like a fraud and imposter. Just my integrity value was just like, I felt like I was breaking that. Um, because I'm sitting there trying to teach these people, I'm sitting here trying to achieve what we're teaching these people by teaching them that even though that these results were proven for other successful students that my partner had ran, I personally had not achieved these results myself and it just violated my integrity. And, um, you know, this is the unconventional part. Uh, you see so many fake marketers out there uh, that are literally taking pictures in front of rented Lamborghinis and acting like they can make you a millionaire overnight and literally scamming people on the internet. And I felt like that. And so I made a post about it publicly. I pulled the cord. I said, Hey guys, this is what's going on. I got into it, but it just, it didn't feel right. I started to feel like this and I can't do it anymore. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I know I ain't giving up and I'm going to go back to the drawing board and continue, uh, continue until I figure it out. And, that was hard to do. It's hard to put myself out there. It's really unconventional because most people wouldn't put themselves out there like that. But by doing that, oh my God, like it, my, my people, everybody was like, dude, that is so awesome that you, that you came out and said that. I have nothing but respect for you for doing that. And that ended up me being able to build such a deep, meaningful relationship with my audience in the process. And it, it was scary at the time, but I'm so glad that I did it. It's such a valuable lesson. And, um, it, it, it's crazy, but uh, yeah, and a lot of people aren't as dumb as me. They would have figured this out a lot sooner than I did, but I was, at the time, I was so crushed because I was like, how am I going to, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to make some money to feed my family and stuff and also to, to achieve my dreams? And then it finally hit on me like, dude, podcasting, you know how to launch a top show podcast, how to interview celebrities, professional athletes, rock stars, do that. And then when I did do that, I not only did, was I more confident uh, in my offer, I'd made more money in one month than I ever made previously in all four months combined in my life. And I've been able to help each person deliver those results too. So it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I feel like really being vulnerable and sharing that whatever it is about you, that's how you really get ahead. Amen. You, you know, you talk about this underdog advantage. And one thing that I hear and I've experienced too is you know, like you know who you are and you know what you've done and you know where you come from and breaking that mentality of, you know, for me, like poor and uneducated and all of that. Like I still sometimes, like even now I catch myself where I, I that, that's my perception, you know what I mean? And so when I'm operating in my strength, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to use this as my advantage, but then it's really hard breaking free from that. And if, if there's one thing I hear over and over and over and over again, it's this, who am I? Who am I? You don't know. You don't know who am I? I hear that constantly with the people I work with. And I just want to know your perception of that. Like, 
how did you face any of that imposter syndrome or that self-doubt or that whatever it is when you decided that you were going to level up and become successful? Yeah, you know, that's such an amazing question. And um, for me, it, it was it was hard in the sense of like, man, you know, I don't know how I'm going to, because I get it, you know, you want to put yourself out there like you're a credible source of information for your audience and, and that you, you, but, and it's hard to admit those, those failures and those shortcomings at times, but people are going to be able to read right through anybody that's being fake. I know my BS meter is through the roof. Like I could spot it out right away instantly, you know, but I also know that people respect somebody that says, Hey, look, I don't have all the answers. I'm very passionate about finding them and I'm going to go out and stick my neck on the line and share everything that I learned in the process. People will respect that, you know, and that's what you got to do in the beginning. Uh, I was just trying to skip steps. I was trying to skip milestones that couldn't be skipped because I wanted to be successful so bad. And when I realized it was violating my integrity, um, that's when I I was like, man, you know, something's got to give and we got to pull the cord on it. And to kind of go back what you're talking about with like that, that, that whole, shift of of your mentality of who you are and it, it you know it's crazy but i uh it's more like of before you can think and 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 act and all that first you have to be you know we're human beings so it, it, instead of just like trying to reach for something and like man i can't wait and always thinking about the future i had to be like everything that I'm at, and this is kind of woo woo ish or whatever, but I really, it, no, and I'm not a super, go ahead. You're good. <laughs> All right. But I really believe that you have to be that in your own mind, like, like everything that I'm already, you know, striving for in the future, that's cool to ha- you know, have these images in your mind and have goals. You have to have them right. But they're already given to you in this moment. And everything that you're going through is a, is a place to get it. So you just have to step into that and own it and say, I am, wealth. I am uh, abundance. I am everything. I'm the best at what I do. I, I am this. You have to own it already and believe in, and it's not faking at that point, because if you, if you think about it, then, then every single thing would be fake. And, 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 and almost everything is illusion anyways. It's almost like we all have our own perceptions and, and viewpoints in life, but it's just all about just stepping into it and owning it now. And I feel like when I did that, like that's when I started making quantum leaps. Dude, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Now you have this incredible show, incredible show, Underdog Empowerment. Tell me about it. Who is it for? Who are your listeners and where can people find you? Absolutely. Thank you for the shout out too. It's uh, definitely my biggest passion in life. I mean, you you know, it's this podcast and stuff is so fun, but uh, it's really being able to create that that relationship and, and take people along for the ride. Um, it's for underdog entrepreneurs, anybody that has a grandiose vision with all the odds stacked against them, people counting them out, even laughing at them, but they're doing whatever it takes to level up, to get to the next level in their business and life, uh, to, to prove those people wrong, to, to get the, their, their desires and to, um, to, to, to just live the life that they always dreamed of. That's who it's for. Uh, it's a top resource for those underdog entrepreneurs. Like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I go out and share everything I learn, view some of the greatest minds, which we're having you on the show as well. Can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find it on all the major platforms. Uh, it's on underdogempowerment.com. I have right there. You can find all the different places to, to subscribe awesome. to it. I hope you come over and check it out. Guys, uh, that will be linked in the show notes. And if you, if you are listening to this, I need you to stop what you're doing and go follow, subscribe, leave him a five-star review, listen to more of his story because we barely (laughs) scratched the surface of everything that you have to offer Zachary. And I'm just a hundred percent behind your work. 
so grateful for you. And I have one more final question. It's my favorite one. I always save it for last. Um, let's say we were to go back in time and you were to sit with younger Zachary in that uh, prison cell right after he woke up and he just found out the news that he was going to miss the birth of his kids. He's going to be in prison for whoever knows how long and you're just devastated and really at the end of your rope, if you were to sit with him now, knowing what you do, what would you tell him? I love this question. And I, you're, you're going to get a kick out of it because it's kind of the same question I ask at the end of all my episodes too, but uh, I love it. So I would go back and I would tell myself this exactly. Find somebody who has exactly what you want and become their student, whether you got to figure out a way to add value to them, whether it's paying them, whether it's bartering something with them, whether it's just not paying them at all, but just doing something to have a favor, but figuring out a way that you can get access to learn from them because I know of no bigger shortcut in my life than finding somebody that already has what you want and learning from them and then being able to implement and create your own path with it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.